0: woods or beach or wherever you love to go to enjoy the beauty of creation. It's really easy to get so fascinated with the creation that we lose sight of the creator. I trust what's allowed our faith to to begin to be formulated and framed and gain momentum is we humbly have acknowledged, wow, whoever made that did an amazing job. I constantly uh, somewhat chuckle as I ask my grandkids, They'll say something about, you know, the sky or whatever it is. I said, yeah, whoever made that did a pretty good job. Grandpa, you know that God made that. Well, you reinforce it and affirm, you know. A second thing that uh, we need to consider as we think in terms of of the fact that God has, has made it clear. He's brought evidence to us that we all must sort of come through this door of acknowledgement that I ought to be uh, worshiping God simply because of, of who He is. The second thing that allows Christmas and the truth to come alive is uh, reference to, as we think in terms of, uh, uh, we had Romans. Let's go on now. I lost my place in my notes here. The second one is in Acts chapter 17 close to acknowledging uh, the fact that God has given us evidence. He, as the creator of the universe, has revealed himself a way that faith could begin to start to take root, it could begin to grow, it could begin to be exercised. We find in Acts chapter 17 that the ways in which God has mobilized people among humanity, because ultimately you've run into somebody who wasn't brought up in America, wasn't brought up in the church, wasn't brought up in what we would call the conditioning side of our faith, where we sort of grow up in our culture where everybody's taught about the birth of Jesus Christ in a world in which it's been commonly accepted, the Christmas story, until the last 10, 15, 20 years, when It begins to not be so widely broadcasted and reminded all over the world. But in Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 28, we find a mystery that's explained to us in Acts 17, 24 through 28. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and He does not live in temples built by hands. He is not served by human hands and as if he needed anything, but he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole world earth and he determined the time set for them, the exact places where they should live. God did this, note here, so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Now the Apostle Paul is is proclaiming uh, the truth about a God who was unknown. And, And that's on Mars Hill as he's communicating this. But what's important for you and I to realize is as much as it seems like if the God If God created the world and He created all of the families out of, out of beginning with Adam and Eve, it would make sense that we would all look alike and act alike and speak the same language and on and on and on. And so these become common arguments for uh, many times that people present to us. How can you get you to the right place? I mean, we've heard all of these arguments or these, these uh, uh, pieces of information thrown at us, what you and I need to realize is just as the creation itself has left fingerprints all over it from the creator, that by humbly acknowledging our responsibility to acknowledge him for who he is, it naturally leads us to a place that sin is a whole new way of living. Seeking God and attempting to pursue God as if he is real and he's alive and he is a person will radically change our view of Christmas. It's important to recognize that throughout the world there may be many different people who have a kind of faith that it's sort of a system or code of ethics that you follow, and when you die, you'll find out whether it works or not. Christianity is so different, it introduces God coming down to us in person, and that He will lead us and we follow Him day in and day out. And the way we experience Him, even though He is invisible to us, we pursue Him, seeking Him, searching. Some of the key ways that begin to open up the hearts and the life of each and every one of us is we begin communicating to Him in simple terms, Lord, You show me the way. You let me know. How to find truth. You guide me. To teach our children is a huge advantage. And not only to teach our children, to remind ourselves that as we keep journeying through life, we keep an open dialogue. We not only worship Him for who He is and what we even don't know about Him, but we humbly develop a lifestyle of pursuing to get to know God, taking advantage of the ways in which God uh, works in our lives as we communicate to Him, there is a purpose that God has pretty much uh, taken away all the right answers so that you and I might seek Him so our heart is in the right place. It would be so much easier if God would somehow tell everybody the right answers, but somehow He brings all the information to a place where there's a gap, and then you have to choose to trust to bridge that gap. That's the beauty of seeking, is in the process of a cry to God, in the process of a search for Him, the bridge is built, the evidence becomes clear, so that we who pursue God, actively seeking Him, getting to know Him, to experience Him, will discover things about God that there's no other way to discover it. You know what it's like to try to teach people, to explain to people. And you feel as if you're making progress. And all of a sudden there's this invisible barrier. You can't take a person completely to Christ. You point, there he is. To begin to search for him ourselves is what bridges that final step. It's what opens the awareness of who he really is. God has called, he's created every one of us to be seekers of who he is. So we see, recognize, and, and when we look at creation, it, it's, it's maybe tempting to get excited about the beauty of creation and, and somehow maybe miss the beauty of the person of Christ. It's Christmas that brings that back together. We humbly come to a place, we acknowledge, I choose to worship the Lord. And I, second of all is I choose to trust that as I seek Him, I will find Him. As I pursue Him, I will get to know Him. And uh, so God begins to open uh, those doors. It's the shepherds that demonstrate this, going to see this child. Not only do the kings come to represent that, that need of, of worship, but they also came seeking him. But as the shepherds heard, we've got to go see this great sight. How about in Proverbs chapter 16? Because now we get to some of the the, the struggles. Because there's been another thing that's fascinated me as I I attempt to encourage people that are beginning to formulate their faith is there seems to be uh, some who constantly struggle with just the idea of God. That's one group of people that we all sort of have to go through that at some point is to work through some of those struggles ourselves and let our faith rest upon the fact that we can see it in creation and we can clearly understand it as, that, as we begin to avail ourselves into a pursuit of God. But then we find another group of people that they can see the existence of God and they can understand the realities of truth. It's just that somehow there's a difference between a real relationship of heart to heart and simply a head thing going on. We've all run into people. They know all the answers about what the Bible teaches. They know they can explain it quicker and better and faster than you and I. It's just somehow the heart never quite get connected. Well, the Bible begins to indicate to us that there are also some things that by humbly coming to Him at Christmas, it changes your heart. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. Proverbs chapter 16, one of these examples are verses 2 and 3. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. There's something within each and every one of us that's real. And sometimes our system of faith may not always include the reality of the motives that make us tick and everything else. We all may come to God for somewhat self-centered reasons, but we trust that at some point we also have some honest reasons. We really want to know the truth. We want to uh, come to God for one particular pure reason, and that is to acknowledge His greatness and the reality to His. But sometimes our faith still has its hands out to see what we can get out of the deal. Um, as we continue to develop faith, what affirms your faith isn't so much what you can get out of the deal. What affirms your faith is the motives of our heart. And God, as He recognizes that humble, genuineness, credible pursuit of Him, you and I are going to walk away with a blessing upon our lives. But it's possible to to have a Christmas idea that it's all about me, and somehow it's all about getting something that somebody might give to me and we can lose sight. And that's really what, what probably turns most people off about that idea of Christmas is it's really a time of an enormous amount of greed and uh, self whatever it might be as we and, and obviously the the world on its evil side would gladly love to to create the idea that Christmas has nothing to do about the one who literally gave everything for us. But it's important that as we develop our faith and as we deepen our resolve to be uh, those that are worshipers of God and also seekers to get to know Him and experience Him, that the motive of the heart is something that God has always promised to bless. It's coming to this season and once again allowing the motives of the heart to be sifted so that God's blessing and favor can once again fill us with that deep, genuine assurance. God not only sees our hearts, but as our hearts respond to him, we're going to walk away with a deeper assurance that these things are so. Figuring out the story of Christmas isn't necessarily going to change our lives, but if our hearts come to the Savior, he will fill them with his very own life. It's important that we allow the beauty of Christmas to get to the issue of the heart. And that's what we begin to see in so many of the Christmas stories, the preparation of very sincere, devout, humble people begin to to pursue the the reality of what is taking place. And their lives were deeply impacted and changed. God confirms and affirms in our heart as that our hearts begin to open up uh, to Him. Another one that's uh, maybe uh, used interchangeably with the heart, but we're going to touch upon it anyway 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. There's times in your discussions about the Christ and what he means to you, there's times in your searching and trying to understand the things of God that there's people that seemingly still have this barrier. And we obviously want that barrier to be bridged uh, uh, on behalf of the people that you really care for. Those also are people who come with valid questions. How do you really know? How can you really be assured about your faith? And, and uh, you know, they seemingly come saying, just help me get through this. And I, I truly will trust God and I'll follow Him. And there's times that you may have to simply stop and say, but in your conscience... You know it's true. A lot of times the fight really isn't about what's deep within us. The fight quite often is what's right here. There's this wall of defense. Notice how the apostle Paul mentions, he says, this is how the gospel gets presented in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's an amazing statement to realize that it might be tempted to use a couple extra gimmicks and gadgets to get people to believe in you. You might have a tendency to uh, flip through the TV channels and realize some of the ways that the gospel is presented and all the promises that you'll walk away a rich and a successful and whatever kind of person, if you just believe the gospel, the gospel itself is presented. It's to your conscience. And somehow in the conscience, we are well aware that God has placed eternity in the hearts of all humanity. And if you can pull somebody aside from some of the very arguments they present and look them in the eye, square in the eye, and say, you cannot honestly tell me that you don't know deep down inside what truth looks like. The conscience has been formed and shaped by the Creator Himself. Amazing thing is, we think of one Christmas story where the wise men came, and they, they in essence, called all the religious leaders together and asked them a serious question. Where is the Christ to be born? And they gave them the right answer. He's to be born in Bethlehem. They knew without a question in their mind. The right answer, because the conscience not only affirmed it, validated they knew. They send off the wise men, and no one followed them. The conscience, it's something we can't get away from. It's something we can try to stuff it, we can try to change it, we can try to modify it. We know that we know that we know. Our heart has a yearning. For our Creator to not only acknowledge His greatness and the truth about Him, but we know that we know that we know there's a right and there's a wrong. There's a true and there's a lie. The conscience will not allow us to simply dabble and play forever. And so the encouragement to us is to recognize what validates it, is our conscience lets us know it is true. And that gives us grounds for sharing with confidence with, towards others to say, but you know because God has given you that knowledge. He's placed it within the conscience. Another one that's important for you and I to realize is that even though we may have come to this place where the truth about the Christ is real, that somehow the limitations in life might seemingly uh, give us a feeling, but I can't understand how I move on from here. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 12 through fourteen, As we journey on this Christmas, I trust that we might humbly consider not only the significance of all the symbolism we have, but to come to the place when we say, what do these things mean to the inner man? What do they mean to the heart in which is attempting to respond to God? First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit. Expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, they're foolishness to Him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The flip side is that as we begin to come to faith, God has already promised, I will give you my Spirit. He will pour out upon us His Holy Spirit. And so the things that are seemingly foolishness one day all make sense the next day. We depend entirely upon the leading and the the, uh, the revealing power of God's Holy Spirit. There's just some things that when you look at the Scriptures and you try to understand them, they may or may not make sense, but the Spirit of God has come to interpret. He has come to explain. He has come to reveal. And so we are clearly dependent upon that. And one of the most powerful ways of communicating to your children, your neighbors, friends, the realities of the Gospel to pray for them as much as you try to convince them. Pray that the Spirit of God would allow the foolishness of what seems to create barriers to become the acceptance of this sacred truth. God, through His Holy Spirit, has not only given us the written word, but He has enabled us to understand the beauty of what all these words mean. It makes perfect sense to me When i realize as the best scholars that you could find on youtube or wherever you find you look you listen but unless the spirit of god connects the dots there's going to be a huge hole in the equation of christmas but when god's spirit begins to move and you begin to sense in your heart you begin to sense in your mind your conscience is at work your heart is beginning to be changed, it becomes so clear to us because His Spirit has assured us that He would bear witness with our spirit. It's a supernatural thing. Just as Christ came supernaturally, the truth to you and I is granted to us also supernaturally. And that way it is demonstrated, expressed to others around us, it's supernaturally. But that does not minimize the assurance these things are so. As a matter of fact, some of us, as we've been following God for quite a number of years, do not seemingly struggle on whether it's true or not. What we often still struggle is whether or not we're going to keep worshiping Him and let Him be the Lord of all. It's easy to kind of get caught up in the flow of things and lose the beauty of that real first love we had with Jesus Christ and allow that first love to be maintained and cultivated in a fresh If anything, let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2 as one final concluding component. As much as we realize we live in a world that Christianity has not been always the greatest testimony, you and I can settle today that we won't let that happen in our own lives. We need to trust that God's grace that has been poured out upon us has given us through a genuine pursuit of him, the ability to experience a changed life. Your greatest argument to anyone was, you might remember me a few years ago. This is where I was, but today, this is who I am. People can argue with a lot of pieces of information. They can say, yeah, I got on Google and I found a website that proved everything you said is wrong. They could tell you all kinds of things that... And seemingly causes to say, man, I thought I was helping them by pointing them here. Or they can pick up the same Bible you give them and find ten reasons or what they would call contradictions to say it can't be true. Because all these pieces somehow don't seem to fit together. But no one can argue about a life that's been changed. Ephesians chapter 2, I'll read verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, particularly For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We should never underestimate the beauty of all the evidence in the world around us, particularly the beauty of, of a life that's been changed. And I'm fully confident as God has begun this good work in your life and he's completing that work and you and I keep growing, that the evidence isn't something that you and I need to race from one corner of the world to the other to figure out the mystery to Christ. It seems to get settled when we bow our knees and say, Lord, I've come to worship you. And in the process of worshiping Him and having a relationship with Him, you and I are walking testimonies to the world around us. To say there may not be a whole lot of good examples, as people might argue, but we ought to confidently say, You just watch me. You'll get to see all about me. It won't be always perfect, but my eye's going to stay on the one who is. And that's the essence of Christmas, as we've come as sinners in desperate need of a Savior, that we have come to a place where we continually acknowledge the need to keep our hearts in the right place. But one thing is, God is at work in our lives. And people see that. They recognize the beauty of your journey of life. They see the changes taking place. Most importantly, what I think people are really looking for is, do you and I really believe this stuff? And I trust we have a hearty amen to say, yes, I do. When people see that your faith is credible and it's genuine, it's, it's solid, people begin to say, all right. Father, we thank you that you had a plan unfolded to reveal to the world the realities of your great plan of salvation And it seems like many people never quite understood it, but we're thankful for those that did, that handed down that faith to us. We thank you that that faith has become real to us, alive in us, and we can share it like we've been there. We thank you, Lord, that though it happened thousands of years ago, you're still at work in our lives today. We commit ourselves to you this season, we pray as well, that it might indeed be a time of rich blessing as we fellowship together and we worship our King. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a great day.